Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Kroll. Hello, hello, and welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week, we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And I am excited to have this guest back. And the topic, well, I'm excited to have this conversation as well. And I'll tell you about it. Have you ever noticed how many different ideas are floating around about what's happening on the planet and what our future holds? Are you noticing all the different ways people are talking about change? Well, Monday morning, I was checking in on Facebook and happened upon a Facebook Live video that a business coach was giving. And I don't, I I really don't know this person and I don't listen to her, but she was speaking with just this confidence and authority and called herself an influencer and a leader. And she was sharing information on what people must do in absolutes. It was like black and white. You must do these things. And it caught my attention. And I'm like, what is she talking about? And when I tuned in, she was speaking from this very negative fear-based mentality of the changes occurring on the planet and how it was going to affect people and what they must do. And it was just, it, it was really pulled my attention in this. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's so much more than this doom and gloom that I was listening to. And so, yes, there's, there's a lot of change. There's a lot of chaos. There's so much going on and it can be scary and intimidating. There's a lot of anxiety out there and it's all understandable. However, after listening to this business coach, sharing her ideas of what the future will look like, she was like certain it will look like this. I felt compelled to respond with another side of the story and maybe look through a different kind of lens, maybe even paint a different kind of picture and hopefully give us more hope and expansiveness and inspiration, something we can relax into and look forward to. So I called on you. I asked you what was on your mind around this. And I called on my good friend and thought partner, Cheryl Lynn. And I am so happy to have her back again. We both asked for your questions and we're going to try to answer them. So I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind and heart and settle into your essential wholeness. As I reintroduce Cheryl. She's a favorite of mine and many of you. Cheryl Lynn is a medical intuitive and the cosmic conduit who uses powerful, divinely guided healing techniques to bring your physical body into balance. Cheryl also assists in clearing blocks, transmuting energy, transforming old patterns, and clearing your channel so that you can tune in more easily and consistently to higher levels of consciousness. And I can't think of anyone else I'd rather have this conversation with than Cheryl. So welcome back, Cheryl. Hi, Julie. Yeah, I am excited when you when you uh, texted me and said what you just shared on online. Um, I just thought, 
yes, we need to talk about this because there are so many things that are unseen that we are not aware of are going on in the background that really is the bigger picture beyond all the fear-based media and you know people's um, fear that yeah. is being batted around. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of it. And, you know, Cheryl, I usually don't like to call out people um, in in their posts, and I, I usually don't. When I come across something like that, you know, I might say a little prayer, send them some love, have compassion. But um, this person has hundreds of thousands of followers, and there were so many people on that morning um, responding and commenting in the live. And I just, I just like myself just went into this whole different mode and this different level of awakening for myself and went, now, wait a minute, what, what is ours to do? So before I get into these questions and I have lots of them, do you want to say anything more about this topic before we dump, jump into some of these questions? We both asked our communities, you know, what do you, what do you think of what is, what's going on in your mind? What, what might you be you know, concerned about and thinking about during this time, what occupies your mind. So we both have some really good questions from, from peeps, but do you want to say anything more about it before we jump in? Um, I think that one of the things that I've been noticing as there just seems to be more focus on fear and, oh my God, what's happening to you know, living here in the United States, what's happening to our government is a big thing on on our minds, on the collective mind. Mm-hmm. And I always come back to the same thing, which is it doesn't really actually do much good to just worry, have a group of people gathered together worrying together. That doesn't actually accomplish anything. And it just raises anxiety, creates polarization, and is ineffective for feeling empowered that we each have our piece to do. And I think that that is the key for me is remembering what my piece is and remembering that I don't have to do it all and that there are things that I can do when I'm called to do them and that that's all I have to remember. I don't have to do the whole thing. I don't have to carry the world on my shoulders. So I just wanted to lead with that because I think that that's, for me, underneath everything, is mm. coming back to center, looking at it from as big a perspective as we possibly can, and asking, well, is there something, am I being called to do something to take some action, large or small? I like that. What is mine to do? You know, it reminds me, last week I led a retreat and um, on my part, one of the things that I talked about was that very thing. And even just saying that sentence, what's mine to do? And people started going, oh, my God, I love that. What's mine to do? And one of the other things that that I did that day was, you know, it's, it's really – it's overwhelming to look at levels of consciousness, states of consciousness, and understand our human development. But I simplified consciousness into these two parameters of, of um, self-interest and common good. And that's really simplifying. I used um, a Richard Barrett's 
model where he has all the, he has seven levels of consciousness, but he breaks into those two different levels, which is really easy to think about, self-interest and common good. And when I did that, I, I drew it out on the board and I was showing them, and then I was showing, showing them how our world, as we have known it, was really built on the consciousness, the constructs of self-interest. And we got really good at it. You know, we built this world and every system and structure and institution that we have was created and founded in that consciousness. And yet so many of us have now understood the world in its interconnectivity, science and spirituality are showing us, and we're waking up to it, to that common good place of serving that common good. And so the world that was built in self-interest really doesn't work for us anymore. And we're striving to create that world in common good. And so things are breaking down. And just understanding it from that simplicity, last week people came up and said, thank you. I've never heard that before, which amazes me because I hear it all the time. And we, you know, almost everybody I talk to, we have these conversations in my professional realm. But there's so many out there that don't understand how things are breaking down, systems and structures are breaking down just because they don't serve us. So looking at that political arena, Cheryl, I'll let you jump in here before we get to that first question. Looking at that political arena, it really was designed and created in a different level of consciousness and it isn't serving us as a whole right now. And so it's kind of scary watching it, but it's kind of like um, the thing I like to say about what's happening. And we do have several questions about politics on our list here today. But the, the thing that I like to really point out is that sometimes it has to get so absurd as to wake us up to go, oh, you know, we really don't want this kind of structure or form. It doesn't serve us. And so sometimes it has to jar us and shock us awake. And, and it certainly is doing that in these times as well. Do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, that's powerful and great. Sounds like it was a great retreat that you um, led, uh, bringing that awareness to more people. Um, it, the, the thing to remember is how this got how the focus on the individual individual's uh, needs it, it was a was a competition for resources you know in, in various parts of the world where there all of a sudden there wasn't enough food or there wasn't enough something enough shelter or the, you know there was bad weather or, and instead of how we naturally are where we help each other and move together as a group, what's, what began was a, a competition. Well, I have to take care of my own. I have to take care of my own little tribe here, my family, or my little community here. And then boundaries started to be drawn. Well, you hunt on this side, and we're going to hunt on this side. But if we run out of animals, then we're going to come and invade you, and, and we're going to hunt on your side. So it started from this survival um, this need to survive and we forgot what our core underneath everything. And this is the thing 
underneath all of that survival, when we do connect with others and we remember our humanity and our true nature is really one of seeking love and love and connection. And when we come from that place, then the generosity comes through. And then we remember that when we share, there actually is plenty for everyone. When we help our brother who's in another state or another country, that it benefits all of us. But that's a hard shift to make when we've been uh, conditioned through generations to fear that. And now it's coming full circle. And one of the things that, you know, I often say is, is what I'm going to do going to bring me closer or further away from love? Because that, that will never steer you wrong. If it's going to bring more, if it's going to expand love on the planet, if it's going to expand cooperation, if it's going to expand everyone's lives, then it's for the greater good. If it's not, then it's going to detract from us individually, even if it might seem like if you're a, if, if money is your thing and it seems like, oh, well, I can't lose any of my money because that, you know, that, that I worked hard for that. And it's uh, that kind of mentality forgets the, that there is plenty of money, there's plenty of food, there's plenty. Of, I mean, if you distribute it evenly across the planet, there's plenty. Right? Mm. So I think yes. that that's really important to remember that, and there, that there are those pockets that are starting to grow where we are more focused on, well, is this a loving kind act? Like right now, right now with the what's going on in Texas, I I know it sounds funny, but I was thinking about all the socks I have because <laughs> I know that that's one of the things that is needed when there's an area with a lot of flooding. I'm thinking, I'm going to look for an organization where I can don't make a donation. It may seem like a little thing, but it, I would be happy to donate things in whatever way I can to assist. So that's the Beautiful. kind of thing that I, I, I think that we, we can expand upon that way of thinking. Yeah especially in these times with great fear like that, just these acts of generosity and kindness and empathy are so healing. I I love that. And what a great idea. You know, when you were talking about the scarcity and and how we developed that competition, it reminds me of you and I, and and it feeds right into this first question too, which is really interesting because you and I, over the years, um, we are so resonant in who we are and how we think, but we totally express it differently. We talk about that, like um, our way of expressing and our way of filtering sometimes is so different and yet it's the same thing at the root. So I, I this will be fun talking about some of these questions that are here because I think it's really, um, it's the same thing of what, this first question is for sure. So listen to this one. Um, This one's kind of long. Just like religion, politics, and disciplines of science, many different subgroups have begun to prognosticate what is happening on the planet 
and what will happen in the future. From new age and galactic to science and technology to social architects and evolutionary futurists to fake news. We have so many different ideas, predictions, thoughts, models, and priorities. How do we know what to believe and what to really know? Interesting, huh? That's a great, great question because I go, I don't know about you, but I've gone through that where someone will make a statement and it's very emphatic. I'm sure that that was what you experienced when you, re- um, when you watched that video today. Um, and you think, well, maybe I should look into that because there's, seems to be some grains of truth in it at least. And so let me, let me see, maybe there is something in there. And then um, come to find out that the person was basing it on just their own opinion and <laughs> their own conclusions based on really nothing. And then, you know, you'll discard it. So what I would say to that person and to anyone who goes through this is this, this is a, this is a deeper for me personal question for each of us to to understand about ourselves that as we evolve in our own understanding of our own connection to whatever it is that we call our higher levels of consciousness, whether it's God, spirit, universe, um, it, it doesn't really matter. But as we as we grow in that and really understand that bigger perspective, then then it's easier to check in with ourselves, with our own higher levels of consciousness, to to ask for discernment. So what resonates with me? What what piece of this feels right? We've become so, this is the other thing that I've noticed has happened, especially here in the United States with our current administration. People pick sides and they just completely dismiss the other side without even listening. Oh, if it came from... You know, this side of the fence, I'm not even going to listen because they're wrong or vice versa. And instead of doing that, keep an open mind and an open ear for grains of truth in it. Because there may be, first of all, it'll help you understand your fellow fellow human being, understand why they feel the way they do. And when you have compassion for another, that's that's the best we can do for each other is to have compassion and to try to understand where someone else is coming from. But more than that, back to the question, like how do we individually, how do we discern? It really is that we have to get to that still quiet place within us and say, you know, that, that makes sense to me. I might need more information, but that makes sense. And this doesn't feel right. I'm not sure why, but I'm going to trust my instincts on that. And, you know, I, now I can hear, I can hear <laughs> as if some of you that are going to be listening to this recording are already saying, oh, my God, I, um, I have no idea whether I to believe my own intuition or not. And that's okay. That's just, that just takes some practice. And what I do and what I tell my clients is just, just go with the first your first instinct. What is your what is your first instinct? What is the thing that draws you towards it? Is it a yes or is it a no? Is it a hmm, I need a little more information or is it a absolutely that does not fit for me? So that's it's kind of a broader question, like how do we discern in general? Mm-hmm. 
You know, one of the the things that I thought of when you were talking was um, the old saying, you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And all of these different disciplines that we were talking about, all these different people are really coming from their lens with where they're at at the time. And we've all had experiences of where we might believe that something is absolutely true until we don't, you know, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's, this is how the world works. And then all of a sudden we have an experience, we wake up a little more, we expand our consciousness and all of a sudden we're going, wow, I used to think like that. Or I used to believe like, I have a really good example, um, happened to me just within the last, um, couple of months, I had a guest on my radio show who was talking about, we were, we were talking about a vegan cure for climate change. And when I first heard his information and and was introduced to him, you know, right away, I, 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 I didn't even hear it. And something inside of me pushed me back to that topic and I began to explore it. I got his books and materials and documentaries. I began to read. I began to think. I began to feel. And all of a sudden, this whole new realization opened up to me, this whole new way of thinking that wasn't there before. And so um, it would have been so easy for one day me to say, would would being a vegan help cure cl- climate change? And I would have said, no, um, I don't understand how that might be. So I might not have listened. The very next day, <laughs> I was so open to a whole new way of thinking about animal a- agriculture and and our how we behave on our planet, what that's about. So so, so thank you for that response. And I, I think it's really important for us to really go with that compassion for where we're at. You know, science and technology is looking from one place. Um, evolutionaries, visionaries are coming from a different place. I think we even have a comment here, if I can find it, a question about, yeah, even psychics, channels, and astrologers different on what they say, differ on what they say sometimes. People say, feel mm-hmm. what you believe is true, but some ascribe to one end of the continuum and others on the opposite. So there was a second similar kind of question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to your compassion and empathy because that was one of our questions. Um, and the the person said, referring to Ruby Sales in the civil, civil rights icon, Ruby Sales, he quoted that her question, which is, where does it hurt? And I, I said, well, what do you, what do you mean? Say more, please. And he made a comment about deep listening and compassion and empathy that when we're in this place, wondering about these shifts in consciousness and what's going on and all this fear, really turn to your fellow human and ask, where does it hurt? And really do that deep listening. So I, I loved that comment as well. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay, here's a real simple one. A one brief sentence. What one thing can bring the most people hope? This is a hard one. What one thing could bring the most people hope? Yeah. 
Uh, you know, <laughs> you know um, I will, because I, ha- I have the uh, questions from one of my pages on here, too. And I'll go to, to someone else's question to answer it. How about that? Yeah, There's go. a woman on one of my pages that said, what would love do now? Mm. <laughs> you know, I it love seems that. simplistic. And, you know, it's funny because I've, I've been accused of being very Pollyanna-ish, and I'm sure you have, too, because we're both pretty positive people. But um, it's beyond, you know, positive thinking. And it, it really, I believe it's really at the core and the essence of what we're talking about. And when... When we can rise above, you know, the day-to-day stuff that's happening, and some of it's horrible, you know. Right now, I would not want to, you know, be down in Texas dealing with, you know, floodwaters. But think about, I think about, you know, what happened after 9-11 and how it brought people together. And there was just love and people were helping each other. And there was just this, this harmonious um, movement of of loving and caring about your neighbor, mm-hmm. and it seems like that our impulse for that really is such a primal one that we have the we have the primal survival instinct, but there is there is also that seed of love underneath that's just waiting to be fertilized, that's just waiting to grow, that's just waiting for a place to be planted. And I think for me, that's, that's you know, that that's, seems ob- like an obvious, if you're going to only have one thing, you know, do all things from a place of love. Mm, yes. And I, I think about that response and earlier talking about being conditioned to fear and really being hardwired to love. So it is like our true nature. I really want to say so much more about love, but we've got a lot of questions in front of us and we need to take a quick break. We are here with Cheryl Lynn talking about all of this change and shifts in consciousness, what's going on. We've got so many more questions to answer after the break. We'll be right back. listening to empower radio an entire radio station devoted to your personal development expanding your conscious awareness and empowering positive change meet our hosts and listen online at empowerradio.com on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, stitcher radio or itunes or download the empower radio app for your smartphone or tablet it's free in the app store and it lets you listen to our shows and podcasts on demand empowering people empowering change empower radio online at empowerradio.com Just now, another kid dropped out of school. There's one every 20 seconds, over 200 kids an hour. That adds up to nearly 5,000 kids every school day. If we do nothing, 3.5 million kids won't receive a diploma over the next four years. But there is someone who can change that. And that someone is you. United Way knows that kids who have a caring adult in their life are more likely to make it. So make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. 
Volunteer to read to children. Because the path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Take the pledge to volunteer now at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. This is a guided meditation on parenting. Take this time to breathe deeply and close your eyes. Right now, you're completely in control. Unlike the time you and your son played basketball and you attempted to slam dunk. Or when you tried removing those raccoons from the basement. Concentrate on the soothing sound of my voice. Release the memory of when you wrestled with that beehive in your son's treehouse. Let go of the time you thought that skunk was a cat. Or when you pulled into the garage with your son's bike on top of the car. Deep breaths. Deep breaths. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. If a disaster struck right now, what would you and your family do first? Would your kids know what to do? How would you get in touch with them if you're separated and your cell phone isn't working? Don't wait until a disaster strikes to figure it out. It's your responsibility to make a plan for you and your family ahead of time. To learn how, take our readiness challenge at nyc.gov slash readynewyork or call 311 for information. Brought to you by the New York City Office of Emergency Management and the Ed Empower Radio. Empowering you 24-7. Online at empowerradio.com. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if this conversation is helpful for you today, I invite you to share it with others and maybe even listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com and stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I'm here with Cheryl Lynn and we are talking about about so many different things, but this theme of this shift in consciousness on the planet, what's happening. Cheryl, do you want a really tough one again, or do you want an easy one to start with? <laughs> Go for the tough. Why not? Okay. I, well, I got two or three right in a row that came in. Um, and and if you have any that, that you really want to make sure that you cover from your pages and your peeps as well, just let me know that and we'll make sure we cover those too. Um, the list is long here. We might have to continue. Here it is. If we are all, quote, creating our own reality, unquote, can we be creating multiple realities at the same time? Do we create an individual reality separate from the collective? And sometimes, it, question mark, sometimes my life seems like such a different experience than others around me. Good one, huh? Yeah, that's great. And I think this is a particularly poignant one for this conversation because what it does is that this person absolutely is having the experience of stepping out of mass consciousness. Mm. And that is 
something that it's important that we all know that we're capable of doing and that when we do that, when we step out of the paradigms that we are all creating together, that we can then get this completely different perspective on why something may or may not be happening. That it gives us, it gives us um, a breath of fresh air where we can approach things from either a neutral place, where we can see another's point of view, where we can consider things that perhaps other people haven't considered as possibilities. So the, the question of are we creating one reality together or are they separate realities, I think I know how I experience it and how I interpret that experience, and I can explain that. But I think it's important to know that we don't all experience life and reality in the same way, which is, which sometimes makes it difficult to find a common ground, a common place of understanding. But what I would ask everyone that's listening to this to do is to expand your world of possibilities to imagine that you might not have the whole picture. One of the things that I've become more adept at, I won't say perfect at, but more adept at and work with my clients is to live more in the moment, more in the presence, in the present moment where you're, you're much more in this particular reality, this particular time and space and bring keep bringing yourself back to the present because as we daydream, as we create it, it takes us off into other branches of creation. And I believe that there are multiple realities happening at the same time. I've had experiences that have had me feel like there really isn't such a time, thing as time even, that past, present, and future are all happening at the same time, which is a mind twister for a lot of people. And that's okay. You don't have to because I said it, believe that it's true, just keep an open mind that there may be other ways, even if, perce- even if it's just a perception, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. So um, what that does, though, it opens up possibilities because if we can't see everything, if we can't predict everything, even though, like you shared about the, the person that did the live video this morning, they were making predictions about where we're headed. I, the way that I see it is that we don't know because a lot of it hasn't been created yet. It's in kind of a, another dimension that hasn't been brought into this dimension yet. It's not that it doesn't exist, that these things, we can't look into the future or look into another reality. It's just that's not the whole picture. And so if we get stuck on thinking that we know what's going to happen, most likely it's because we're basing it on the past, things that have happened before. And we're saying, well, because A, B, and C seem to be happening right now, then when that happened before, something else happened. Mm -hmm. And we're thinking it's going to happen again. But we actually don't know because we can't see the entire picture of all dimensions, all timelines, all at once. 
I think we'd blow a gasket if we could see everything. <laughs> so, so that's my perspective. It's a little more woo-woo probably than some, but it's based on just what I've experienced and an understanding. And it brings me great peace to not be trying to figure out, figure it out all the time. Because if I, if I spend all my time trying to figure out what's going to happen, I'm not living in the present moment and I'm not enjoying my life and having the experiences of the now. Yeah. And that present moment, there's a couple things that um, just to put an exclamation point on that if we, if our mind wants to project out um, whether there's time or not time, when we're thinking about experiences in past and future that aren't really right now, it creates so much dissonance, disconnection, anxiety, and depression. So thanks for bringing that up. But here's the really cool thing that went through um, the vision that I got when you were talking was a, my local movie theater. And when you were talking about that bigger perspective, I was just seeing myself walking outside in the hallway where all the different theaters are on and they're all playing a different movie at the same time. You know, in one there's this drama and another there's a thriller and another there's a love story and another there's an animated film and another there's a comedy. And it's like all of these films, these, these realities are playing out in these theaters and there's people in each one of them. And we have the opportunity to step back into that bigger perspective and kind of observe that different people are playing out different realities in their lives and and what have you if if thoughts are prescriptive and and we are creating a reality that's just a it was an interesting experience for me when you started talking to to go oh yeah this a, a movie theater is a great example of that that's awesome i love that I, I might use, use that when I'm trying to describe that to, to someone. <laughs> I'll say, Dr. Dooley has this great way of explaining this. <laughs> <laughs> you go ahead and share. I want to just pause and make sure, is there any one or two questions that you had that you really want to cover? Um, and if not, I'm just going to keep going. But I know that you had some really good questions, too, and I have them all on a list. Anything in particular well, you want to there's two that are related that I think are interesting. One is, why do we continue to think life in general should be fair when the only fairness we can create is how we treat one another? And yeah. then someone else said, what makes people think that we should all be equal? And I felt like those two were to relate. Those two are related. So great question. I asked those. Why don't Why don't you address those first? Oh, why? Do we continue to think life in general should be fair when the only fairness we can create is how we treat one another? You know, it's really fascinating because um, we had another question about um, unity consciousness of of making us all the same. And so I'm going to just kind of expound on it from a different direction and we'll see where this goes and and then jump in here because I think it's it's fascinating. But when we talk about equality and justice and and fairness which is an interesting word that it came up twice on your on on yours and then this unity consciousness i'm going to piggyback on something that we talked about in the first half which is what's mine to do i think it's fascinating that we 
are individuals, and I had another question about the ego here too, so it's going to feed into that one, that literally we we have this consciousness out there that we are to transcend the individual I and move into um, the we and leave behind the I, but it's really not like that. So hopefully when we talk about fairness, we can look at this from the perspective of all of us are gifted individually. We all have our own sense of calling to serve the greater good. But if we're only stuck in serve me, we a lot of times will get out of balance and things become dissonant, right? We don't have harmony within the greater whole. But when we see ourselves as important and valuable and a uh, an intentional part of the greater whole, I always like to use the visual of the human body and that we're cells within that body. We're cells. Like if I am a heart cell, I'm different than a liver cell, which is different than a brain cell, which is different than a skin cell. But they each have their part and their function and their value within the greater whole. Is it fair that one part of the body gets the blood first and ha and another part waits is it fair that the eyes get a c but the liver cells don't get to see the world around us when we can look at it from that perspective it kind of shifts how we can look at one another um i on my way into the office today to to do the show I made two stops and one, this smiling person in the grocery store asked me a few personal questions, was so pleasant and kind. And then I stopped in the office store and, you know, in small town America, you can still charge things. So both of these places, I put it on the account and charge it and people go, what? They still do that in 2017. But so I'm talking to the, the, the owner, the business owner, as he's writing up my ticket and I'm saying, you know, hey, if you want me to go reserve a camping spot for you, let me know. And he's like, oh, that's so kind. And we're having this conversation and he's so kind. And and uh, so I'm putting an explanation on kind and these wonderful people. It has nothing to do with this, this question. But are those lives equal and fair from the clerk at the grocery store to the owner of a business supply store to me having a radio show, they're very different and they're different gifts and they contribute to the whole in a whole different way. And we're each gifted in that way from, from a medical doctor to a medical intuitive. They're very different. And, you know, three years ago I broke my leg and I needed to go in to see a medical doctor to set my bones, to put a cast on. But I sure as heck called you right away and said, Cheryl, send me some healing. So I like to look at it like that, that if we can really begin to start seeing each other for the value and the function that we have, then the word fair is really, um, and I, I love that question, it comes down to how we treat one another, right? It's really not about fair. It's about that kindness and that compassion and that love that we talked about right before break. So that's going to be my first reaction there. And I really would love to hear what you want to add to that. 
Uh, the the last thing that you said was great. You know that it, and when we'll, the second part of the question, the only thing that we, the only thing where fairness matters is how we treat one another. And I was thinking about that we, if we value everyone's contribution, then it's fair. Yeah. <laughs> because then, I mean, fairness is just that, that we're treating people equally, right? But you're not going to treat someone equally in the literal sense of if they're serving you at the restaurant, you're going to be maybe not sitting down and you're not sitting at your table having dinner with you. You're going to treat them differently than the people that are having dinner with you, not as a human being, but just in their role that they're playing in that moment. But to have appreciation for that role, you know, which can be in the form of thank yous and smiles and a tip, nice tip, you know, to have appreciation for everyone's contribution, that everyone, every human being has value and contributes something to the planet, even if it seems negative and you think that, you know, they're not doing something, their their reason for being may be to shake things up. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what, you know, what their mission is. Um, so just because they're annoying you doesn't mean that they don't have a place on the planet. Mm. You know, I'm going to jump in on that just for a second because um, I just heard this conversation too, and I, I want to just underline this right now, is that my response was really about vocation, that we all have this different form or function within the collective um, human race. And yet you're right. Sometimes it is to totally shake things up. Sometimes it's like, it's not about a value that is tied with our career or our vocation. It's so much more than that. But here's the other piece is if you're really irritated by someone and the role they're playing, and you're not seeing the value in it, and you're judging, maybe it's time to turn inward and ask yourself, what is it about that that's triggering me? What is it about that that grates me and, you know, fires me up? Because there's there's so much that we can learn from each other by just understanding our own emotional response to what's going on around us. So... Mm-hmm. Thanks, yeah. Cheryl. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Here is a totally, a totally different question, and I want to get to it because we have about ten minutes left, and there's there's all kinds of good ones here that we could continue it on the on the page and just have this conversation. But here's here's one. So many people are talking about social media as quote the thing for our future, the new media, that news media is going away. However, I can hardly stand it. For me, it is creating more separation from relationships, nature, and what really matters to me. It's just more distraction and noise. How do we stay connected with others and our communities without getting lost in the rabbit hole of social media? Interesting, huh? I think this is a good one for you and I to, to answer because, because if it weren't for social media, we wouldn't be having this conversation because you and I would not have met. Exactly. I know. <laughs> kind, of, kind of ironic. So it's like anything. You know, there, there are so many different, I'll call them tools, to assist 
that also can turn into complete distractions. I mean, I have friends who are really into astrology or numerology or, um, you know, reading certain literature, and it brings great value to their lives. But if you become so obsessed with reading, you don't talk to your family, which my nephews are like that. They used to, when they were younger, they would, one of them in particular would get in trouble for reading because he wouldn't do his chores because he's always reading. Um <laughs> And, you know, or, or astrology that you won't make a move and even leave your house if you, you don't consult the, the stars. So anything, I think, can take you out of full presence and living your life. And that includes social media. I mean, there have been times where I've said, okay, I'm unplugging. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to do things. But if you see it just as a tool and a way to connect it, it, and not just, blanket, have a, a sweeping statement of it's bad, but actually look at what parts of it are good, because there is a lot of good that comes comes from it. There's a lot of fake news on there. There's a lot of, a lot of people getting very polarized and, and having arguments uh, on each other's pages. And there's, yes, there's all of that. You can engage in that or not. That's your choice. And but there are also some amazing opportunities to connect with people across the planet. I have friends now all over the place, and I know you do too, all over the world because of social media. And a whole bunch of them we've actually met, right, Julie? We've stayed at their houses, and they're yep. friends now. I mean, they, they may have just been a, a click on a, you know, friend request at one point, but now they actually are human connections. And I think what the what the opportunity is is to find ways to have it enhance whatever it is, whether it's social media or not, is it where it can is it enhancing your life or detracting from it? Mm-hmm. And if it's not enhancing your life and it's taking away from something, then just that's up to you to make a shift with how you're using it or choose not to use it. That's fine too. It's not for everyone. It's just that it has become a platform for us to connect in a bigger way. And I, I see it as a positive thing if it's used in that way. Thank you. You had uh, someone make that comment on your page as well of, of, um, sometimes is was the world better off or worse because of social media so thank you 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 kind of addressed that one too here's a really big one and um in like seven minutes or less i hope we can get in at least another one but this one's important here we go if we cannot do anything to wake someone up what can we do to assist and serve the planet during this shift in consciousness Okay, so that, so uh, I just want to understand the question. So they're asking, so there's someone in particular that they're focused on that they wish would wake up to whatever they, they consider being woken up, right? I think so, they because they put it help. in quotes. Yeah, if we cannot do anything to, quote, wake someone up, unquote, what can we do to assist and serve? No, it's interesting because, because, really the only thing you can do is shift the world around them, around the person. Yeah. So that whatever it is that they're asleep to 
I mean, it's okay. Everyone's in their own place. You know, we get into, oh, that person's not awake yet. It's like, well, maybe they're just living their lives. Maybe they want to have something a little simpler. Or they, they don't really want to. That's not their piece to sometimes we judge people for not participating in the way we participate. And maybe they're perfectly happy the way they are. Maybe the other thing is, I think it's, it's good to understand that sometimes that judgment comes from a place of wanting people to agree with us. Yeah. (laughs) We want, we want everyone to agree with us because why, you know, why wouldn't they? I mean, it makes, to me, why doesn't it make sense to them? Yeah. And just relax and realize that the, it's only important that you really have a deep understanding of your own path and your own understanding. And the people that are going to resonate with you are going to naturally be attracted to, to you. And it's not yeah. your job to wake other people up. But to just do what your piece is, it's back to that, do what your piece is to shift consciousness enough so that if there is someone who could actually benefit from whatever it is that your view is, they actually could benefit from it, they will become aware of it naturally because the planet shifts around them. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to add to that. I thank you. That's a brilliant response. And... And we can shift our field, the field around us. We, our consciousness can affect those around us. And so learning how to really stabilize a higher level of consciousness, be in that state of love and compassion. And literally, you can watch miracles happen. You can shift a whole room just by walking in and and carrying that consciousness with you. So there's so much more to this question that we could really, um, you know, bring forward. But but remember that you do make a difference, whether you're um, understanding it and seeing it or not. But but try that sometime. Walk into a room, and if you're feeling the tension, really work with your own consciousness to. Be that and expand the field around you of love and, and see how things transform. We've all had those experiences. So, oh, Cheryl, well, are there any last words that you'd like to share with our listeners today? We've got about a minute for you to get, wrap it up and give me some last words. You know, there's two, there's two, two people that asked questions that were kind of interesting um, and I think it's a good way to wrap up. One was why pe- the person said, why, why do people ask why? <laughs> and the <laughs> other was, why does it need to be other than what it is? Yeah. And those two questions, first of all, I think it's a natural, it's natural for us to question and to want to, when we see suffering, when we feel suffering ourselves, to want to find the balm that will make it all better. And yet, so I I think that natural questioning, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not, we'll just accept the way things are. No, that's not our nature. I think it's good to keep questioning and to keep opening to other ideas and possibilities and just staying open to each other. But then why does it need to be other than what it is? That is that 
feeling of I've got to do something, I've got to do something, I've got to, and that that's what causes the anxiety. And I think in that question, why does it have to be any different? It doesn't. It is, and and the fact is, is if it were supposed to be different than it is, it would be. Mm-hmm. It is perfect. In the in the grandest, the largest perspective that we can take, it's all unfolding perfectly. Perfect. And even That's though there's pain and suffering and all of these horrible things happening, you know, what if it's leading us somewhere that we can't see yet that is exactly where we're supposed to go? Because if we weren't supposed to go there, it wouldn't be happening. Mm, great way to end. Yes. Okay. Let's tune into that. Thank you, Cheryl. And thank you, listeners. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Thank you for tuning in. And remember today, we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, let's just muse on that. Why does it have to be anything other than what is? Bye for now. 